So we're going to be looking at the question today of why is the covenant of marriage so important to God? But before we get into that, I've got a confession to make you, to you all as a church. Um, I am a fan of the music of Dua Lipa. Right, I've said it now. Um, now, some of you will know who Dua Lipa is. Um, she's a Kosovo-Albanian artist, very, very popular in the UK music scene at the moment. And I like music because I love the soul and, je- and funk music of the 70s and the pop combination that she does. Um, and, she's, and she's also been a great speaker against certain issues as well. But actually, if you start to look into her music and, you, and actually what the lyrics that she writes, it puts up a mirror to our culture today. And it's a culture in which people are searching around looking for long-term commitment in relationships. And a lot of, the, a lot of what she, she writes, a lot of what you see in modern music today is this, is this ideal of a perfect relationship but actually finding that the world around you constantly lets you down. Now, this is a few years old, this photo. 20 years old, in fact. Um, That was our wedding day in 2002. So we've just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. And it's really interesting that um, 20 years just seems to have gone like no time at all. But actually, marriage in the UK has actually declined over the last 20 years, there are in fact fewer and fewer marriages in the UK than there have been almost at any time in recent history. Um, I think in 1960, around about 5% of people would live together before they were married. By the time we got married, that figure had crept to about 70%. Today, it's 90%. So only 10% of people are are not living together before they're married. And around about 50% of all children now are born outside of marriage. So traditional marriage is under attack in almost the way it's never been. People say that marriage is outmoded. It's, it's an old institution that was just there to preserve property rights. Some say it's a trap for women. Or just a piece of paper. Or perhaps too much of a commitment. And yet... There is something in every major society about marriage. Marriage is a feature of every modern civilised society. And and, and there's something alluring about it. So in the interest of balance, here's a male pop artist who actually wrote a song in 2014 that talked about long-term committed relationship. And the words of a song that Ed Sheeran wrote says, and darling, I will be loving you till we're 70. And baby, my heart could still fall as hard at 23. See, his ideal of the perfect relationship was one that endures into a crazy age, 70. I mean, can you imagine attaining such an age? 70, Roger? Amazing. So... Roger's even older than 70, uh, pleased to say. But, um, but, but, but the thing is, it, it, that's a wonderful picture, isn't it? You know, five decades of, of marriage. And in fact, the, the, the Pulitzer-winning author, Ernest Becker, said something really interesting about where our society places marriage today. He said, the love path partner becomes the divine ideal within which to fulfil one's life. All spiritual and moral needs now become focused in one individual. Spirituality 
which once referred to another dimension of things, is now brought down to this earth and given form in another individual human being. Actually, the highest ideal of a long-term committed relationship of marriage has almost replaced God for our society today. So you've got a really strange thing going in society. On the one hand, you've got people saying marriage is outmoded, and yet, on the other side, it's seen as the greatest thing that can happen, that long-term committed relationship. So we come to this question, and it's the question that's being asked partly by this passage today, is why is the covenant of marriage so important to God? Now, before we get into it, I think a quick word on when you talk about marriage and divorce, because for some here today, this is going to conjure up some painful issues and some painful memories. Um, I I was very fortunate that my, my parents had a stable marriage as I was growing up, but I know for some of you, you will have come from a broken home. You will have seen what happens when marriages break down. Indeed, your own marriage, you may have had difficulties in your own marriage. You may be having difficulties at the moment. You may have children who are making unwise decisions in this area. And that's really hard. So I, th- I just want to say to you, as we look at these, and these are hard issues to look at sometimes, please listen to what God is saying. Please look at what the Bible is saying about this. And we'll come on to looking at the great abundant forgiveness of God, particularly in this area. I had a friend when I was only 13, um, who's, he was just suddenly a very close friend, who turned around to me to one day to say that his parents were divorcing. And I saw the effect that that had on him throughout his teenage years. And, um, you know, although I, I was in a fortunate situation that my parents had a good marriage, I saw very early on in life how damaging this can be. So why is marriage so important? Well, firstly, and we'll look at at the start of Malachi, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, is because it is vital for the unity of God's people. You see, Malachi writes these words. He says, "Do do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? And you think, so, so far Malachi has looked at various areas um, within this, but why does he alight? What, why is what is essentially a private contract between two individuals, why is marriage suddenly becoming so important for him to talk about in this society? Well, because it is fundamental to the identity of God's people. He says, Judah, which is Israel, has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary. The Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign God. And there is the heart of the problem here. It's not the fact that The men of Israel have been going off marrying women from a different country. That's not the problem at all. They've been marrying women who worship foreign gods. The problem here is one of idolatry. 
Because the, the, the opening commands of the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other God other than me. And by virtue of them going off and marrying women from these other tribes who do not follow God, is that actually it's causing a split and a disunity amongst God's people. And Malachi is actually quite quite firm on, on, on what should happen here. He said, for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he may bring an offering to the Lord. So he's saying that actually this is such a serious thing that they should be removed from amongst God's people, almost excommunicated. Some of you may have heard of the story of uh, a famous spy um, in, the, in the British Army, a guy called Kim Philby, who was born in Cambridge. And for about 30 years, he was, um, he was a British spy uh, and he was engaged abroad in, in, in Russia. But it was discovered sometime after the Second World War that he had actually been a double agent for this whole time. And actually, he'd really been working for the Russians. And he ended up getting banished to Russia. In fact, he died there. And really, what what, um, Malachi is saying here is that the men who go off and marry these women who marry foreign gods is no, no better than a spy who has essentially been working for the enemy. It's that serious. It's a matter of the heart because they have turned against God by following their hearts. And actually for them, life has become difficult because Malachi goes on in verse 13, he says, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favour on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. They were keeping up appearances. They were carrying on giving things, you know, giving all the, all, all, all the tithes and the offerings and everything else, but were finding that God wasn't looking on them with a favour anymore. The blessings had stopped and they couldn't understand why this was. It's because they were disobedient against God. Because the breach of the marriage covenant was an affront to God. It says in, in verse 14, you ask why? It's because the Lord is a witness between you and the wife of your youth. This isn't a private contract. This is one involving God. And they have fallen in this area. In verse 15, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And essentially, by following your heart away from it and and going and marrying somebody from outside of the tribe of Israel who follows a foreign god, you've caused an affront to God himself. Now, this is actually really hard stuff to to look at and, and to understand and think, well, how does this apply to us today? Why is this an issue? Well, the truth is, is that I, I remember when I was, I was much younger and, and thinking about, you know, long term, who, who I should marry and all this, that and the other, is that all the encouragement was, was that actually marrying somebody who's a fellow believer was a really good idea. And, it, and, the, and the truth is, is that if you do, if you are a Christian and you follow and, and marry somebody else who is a Christian, actually, that isn't, that will make life an awful lot easier Indeed. I, I remember when I was a student, 
Um, we were told that actually an awful lot of students tend to fall away after university. And so much of that comes from pursuing romantic relationships with people who are not Christians. Because you end up in the situation where one of you wants to go to church and the other one doesn't, and then you just end up stopping going. And that, and that gets really difficult. And it was a particular issue, I remember, in the early days after I left university and I went to Birmingham, and there were always a disproportionately higher number of Christian girls in the church than there were Christian boys. And it was really hard, I know, for some of them to actually say, no, I want to find a Christian husband. I don't want to just settle for anyone. I had a friend, Claire, who was at university uh, with me, um, and, and did postgraduate with me afterwards. And she just refused to give in. And bless her, she got married last year at the age of 48. She, she, you know, she, she, but she'd waited all that time to find someone so she could marry a fellow believer. But actually, it, it's not just about marrying somebody who is a Christian, which is a really, really good idea and really important but also we've got the issue here that they're abandoning their wives, these men are, and marrying someone who is not a believer. And, and I've seen that also happen in the church today, where you've had Christian couples and then one has gone off and had a relationship with someone who's not a believer. And that the damage that that has caused to families has been enormous. So what does Malachi say? In fact, he says it twice. Guard your own marriage. Be on your guard. Because we might be thinking, well, look, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm in a Christian marriage. I've married a Christian. Everything's going to be fine. Well, actually, the truth is, is that you have to be on your guard. Um, again, somebody else that I, I, I knew when I was at university who was on the... Um, heavily involved in the Christian Union there, married somebody else from the Christian Union. Ended up in a situation where he, he went off and he became a teacher and then decided to go and do a TV reality show, of all things. And this led then from there into a career in the media. And then, because um, he spoke Spanish, he, he wanted to follow his media career over, overseas uh, to Spain and his wife didn't want to go with him. And the separation caused real problems. And they ended up separating. It's absolute tragedy. And the issue was a heart issue there. The problem was a heart issue. He stopped going along to church. He stopped spending time with God's people. So it's, it, this is a really hard message in so many ways. But the reason it's so important is because a unified church is built on thriving Christian marriages. That is a tremendous witness to the world around. A strong marriage, unified in love for one another and love for God, is a really powerful witness to the grace of God. Anna and I were really fortunate when we were... Um, when we were doing our own marriage preparation, that there was a, an, old an older couple called Richard Nivon who did our marriage preparation for us. And John Stevens, who's now head of the FIEC, was one of the elders of the church at the time. And he singled Richard Nivon out for what a great example that their marriage was to us. As we were, I mean, because we were all ridiculously young 
kind of Christians in those days, in our 20s and 30s. In fact, we look back on it now and think we had no clue at all. But we had great people like Richard Nivon in the church who showed what long-term marriage, stable marriage, really brings. And the thing I really liked about them, they didn't take themselves too seriously. They, 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 they were very normal in their marriage, very loving and very affectionate and very real as to how it is. And that is such a strong witness in the church. So the first one, it's vital for the unity of God's people. And secondly, Malachi addresses the issue of divorce. And the covenant of marriage is so important to God because divorce can cause damage to God's people. I was reflecting back on the number of weddings that I've been to since 1997, 25 years ago, which is when most of my, well, my friends started to get married from university. And I, I, I'm one of these strange people that keeps a copy of all the uh, orders of service, that, of all the weddings that I've been to, in a little box in the loft. And I think at the last count, I'm a bit of a hoarder, yes. Um, and the last count, I've probably been to between 35 and 40 weddings in that last 25 years. Now, the great thing is you look back and you reflect on all those couples that have got married. And there's a real, you know, some great marriages, fantastic people going, missionaries going abroad, um, people uh, planting churches, people in secular jobs getting really involved. It's a brilliant, brilliant thing. But I think about, there's about four of those marriages that have ended in divorce. Uh, one of them, infidelity. One, tragically, there was an abuse situation in there. And two, where there was essentially just a drifting apart, an abandonment. And all of those, there's been, it's been really difficult because three out of four of them involved children as well. And one of the reasons why divorce is taken so seriously in the Bible is because of the damage that it does cause. Because Malachi 2.16 says, the man who hates and divorces his wife does violence to the one that he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. That's really serious language, isn't it? That you're actually causing violence to the one that you should protect. Now, it's important to put this in context, because in that society, women were not permitted to divorce. So it's only men that were divorcing their wives. That's the first really important thing to say. The second thing is, in that society as well, with no social security benefits, if a man divorced his wife, she could end up with nothing. And so she would almost certainly mean poverty and, and destitution. And in fact, this is not the only words you'll be pleased to know on the matter of divorce in the Old Testament. The Old Testament does actually give legitimate reasons as to why divorce can happen within marriage. In Deuteronomy 24, um, essentially indecency or infidelity in marriage is, is a permissible reason. In Exodus 21, abandonment is also a permissible reason as well. And in Ezra 9, a match of spiritual betrayal. And indeed, Jesus focuses on this in Matthew 19 and looks at this particular question as well. But this divorce that's being talked about in this passage here is not divorce for any of these legitimate reasons. Legitimate reasons because we live in a sinful world and, and unfortunately you do have to have legitimate reasons for it. No, these are for no legitimate reasons at all. What was going on here was that men were just getting rid of their wives for spurious reasons. They'd grown apart. They were bored of each other. 
a younger model had come along. And this is why the Lord is displeased with their offerings, because they are not taking the covenant of marriage seriously. In fact, in verse 14, you see that these marriages are are sort of carrying on, and, and, and essentially there's illegal divorces that are going on. Now, why is this such an affront to God? Well, if you look at verse 15, um, the words of uh, the NIV say, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. But I actually think on this occasion, the ESV translates it probably a bit, bit better. This is what it actually says in the ESV. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? That is the essence of the one flesh covenant. It's a deep covenant. And these illegitimate divorces are devaluing that covenant, which involves the Holy Spirit binding couples together. I don't know about you, but um, certainly when I was younger, um, I was probably a bit more reckless than I am now. Um, I did quite a lot of travelling when I was um, sort of eight, between sort of eight, 18 and 25. And um, on one occasion, I went with my friends when I was only 18 to Poland. And um, on one Sunday afternoon, we decided we would trek in the forests between Poland um, and Belarus, which was in, the, in, in those days had just been part of the newly liberated Soviet Union. And, and we, after a near death experience with a, a herd of wild boar, uh, we probably should have known by this point it was not wise to carry on. We came across the border fence between Poland and Belarus. And being foolish young boys that we were, we thought, oh, it'd be quite nice to go and visit Belarus, wouldn't it? So we hopped over the border fence. Now, fortunately, it was a Sunday afternoon, it was quiet. We hopped back over after taking a photo and we went back to where we were staying. But we told people later on, and they looked at us pale with shock. And they said, you realise if there'd been guards down there, you could have been shot or arrested. And we're like, oh, oh dear. And um, the kind of thing that that, um, Malachi's talking about here is that kind of recklessness. You are playing fast and loose with the covenant of marriage. Be really, really careful with it. That's why Malachi says, be on your guard. Guard your wandering eyes. Be careful with what you consume, who you spend time with. If you feel, if you're married, that you're spending, you're developing emotional attachments to somebody who is not your spouse, be on your guard. Be really careful. We need to uphold and protect everyone in their marriages. Some of you will know the, uh, the comedian uh, John Bishop. Um, he's... Uh, he, he, he hasn't always been a comedian. He had a fairly normal job as a travelling salesman some years ago. And um, he'd become very depressed, actually, in his job. And he was really down. And it was really affecting his marriage. And tragically, him and his wife just felt that with his, um, his, his illness, really, that they couldn't carry on in their marriage anymore and they separated. Now, John Bishop um, had always wanted to explore his perceived talent as a stand-up comedian. So with the extra time that he had not being married, 
um, or certainly separated, he, he started doing open mic nights down uh, at a local club. And he discovered he was quite good at it. And on one occasion, he spotted his ex-wife in the audience. And he was thinking, oh, no, my ex-wife. Anyway, at the end of it, his, his ex-wife came up to him. And she said, John, that was absolutely amazing. The man I saw there tonight was the man I first married. And she said, you've changed. You've changed back to the man that you were. Anyway, they started talking again. They rekindled a friendship and they got back together. And their marriage was rekindled and they're still together today. Because there is hope. There is hope. There is redemption, even where marriages are breaking down. And it's this theme of redemption that I want to conclude on today. The reason that marriage is so important to God is because marriage models God's covenant with his people. We looked, um, in fact, the first book we ever looked at at KCC when we founded the the church four years ago uh, was the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, it does talk quite a bit about marriage. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses um, 31 and 32, the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And when it talks about the mystery, it's one that can only be understood with the work of the Holy Spirit. And the secret is, is that husbands should do for their wives what Jesus did to bring us into union with himself. The fact is that Jesus gave himself for us. He went to the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins, thereby removing our guilt and condemnation so that we could be united with him, Romans 6, 5, and take on his nature, 2 Peter 1, 4. And his sacrifice is the key to not only understanding marriage, but living out God's purpose. Marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and his redeemed people, his people who are rescued from sin. I mean, far from being oppressive and restrictive, actually, this produces real freedom. Because the picture of Jesus' rescue of his people is one of loving, selfless sacrifice. And the irony, of course, with this is that actually if you live out a strong sacrificial marriage, rooted in caring for each other, rooted in love, it is empirically and actually shown to be the best place for human flourishing. It's what God intended. And rather than, and far from actually subjugating the self and making the self secondary, actually, by being selfless, you actually find that people find their true identity. The reason why marriage can often be so painful and yet so wonderful is is because it is a reflection of the gospel. It's truth and love combined. You take truth by itself. It can be harsh and unforgiving. 
You take love by itself, it can be just mere sentimentality. But you combine the two together, truth and love, and you've got a really powerful thing. So when Malachi talks in verse 10 about profaning the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful, he's, he, he's doing it for a very specific reason. Because he's saying that marriage, upholding marriage, is so important because it demonstrates an understanding of the, the true relationship between God and his people. It leads to the flourishing of his people and produces children who will continue the legacy of his people. But there's also another aspect of God's covenant here with his people that can provide real comfort and help to us. And it's that of forgiveness. Now, you may well have been hearing all this teaching about marriage and divorce and be left feeling quite judged on this issue finding really hard. I'd be very, very surprised if there's nobody here who has not felt a strong sense of responsibility in this area. Some of you may have gone through divorces. Some of you may have been in, in failing marriages. Some of you have maybe been the children in those failing marriages. Some of you have seen close friends in this situation. I doubt that very, very few of you will find, be unaffected by what is written here. But God is a forgiving God. All that he asks is that we come to him and we bring our sins to him and he delights in forgiving us. Because he has brought about the perfect redemption of sins through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You see, divorce and family breakdown can have a profound effect on us in the fallen world. We're going to see it. But actually... Us as Christians, we can provide real help to those who are going through these issues. Anna and I have, um, in the last few years, have dealt with two very, very close situations, not involving anybody in this, in this congregation, very important to say, of divorce, where we've seen families that we know and love and care about deeply, we've seen that break down. And I think the thing we've learned through dealing with those situations is that actually mere words is often not enough. Actually praying with people, being there for people is so important in this area. And, they, and it is no quick fixes as well. It takes time. Healing in this area may never be complete, but it takes time. And being there constantly for people in this situation is vital for us because we are there as a witness to the world and if we can provide support for people going through the, the, these things then that is really really powerful god is such a loving god that he delights in using even broken situations like this to show his grace i, I talked at the start um, about how i was very quite profoundly affected by a very close friend of mine whose parents divorced when we, he was only 13. But about a year later, um, he, he, he said to me one day, he said, um, you know, what do you do on a Sunday? And I, and I said, um, well, you know, I, I go to church on a, on a Sunday. Uh, and I said, do you want to come along with me? And he said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that. So he started coming along to church with me. 
came along to uh, the youth group that we did on a Friday night as well. And by the grace of God, he became a believer. He started following Jesus. And, and I almost wonder if it hadn't been for that situation where they, actually he would have come along as a believer. But because he'd come, gone to the bottom, as it were, in his life, it opened him up to look at the grace and the glory of God. And he answered the call of the Holy Spirit to his life. He, uh, when we started um, the church in Birmingham in the late 90s, he was one of the first members there. And he's now today one of the longest serving members of that church. He's still going on with God. It's, it's a great encouragement that is. God is gracious and he can deal with human sin, human fallenness and bring wonderful things out of it. So in summary today, why is the covenant of marriage so important to God? Well, firstly, good, strong, committed marriages are vital for the unity of God's people. They're so important for the unity of God's people. But acknowledging that we live in a, in a fallen world, things are going to happen. So we need to be there for one another when marriages do come under pressure and when things are difficult. Secondly, divorce can cause damage to God's people. So again, we just need to protect that institution and, and just help people where, where they're going through this issue as well. And then finally, reflecting on the fact that marriage model, models God's covenant with his people. Jesus went to his death on the cross for each one of us. And that sacrifice is such an amazing example, a model that we can follow. I'm going to, I'm going to just close in, in, in prayer now. But I want to say to you today, if there's any of the issues that we've talked about and looked at which... You want some more prayer for at the end. There will be people at the end who you can come and pray with. Um, and, and Mark and Debbie will say some more about that at the end. But I'm just going to pray now as we close. Father God, as we look at your word today, we know that it was written there for a reason. It was written to a people who had drifted away from you, who profaned the covenant by being unfaithful, had not taken marriage seriously. And we look at our own selves today and our own society around us and we know that we live in a society like that today. And indeed, even in the church, we see this happening as well. But you want your people to thrive and to flourish. And you've given us this wonderful gift of marriage to those who are called to it. So we want to pray now for everyone in this church who, who is married, that you would protect those relationships, that um, the temptations that will always be there actually would be overcome through the strength of your Holy Spirit. And for those here who are not married and would like to be married as well, just pray for all of them that um, you would guide them and help them through your spirit to make good and wise decisions in this area. And for all of us, that we just pray for the protection of your Holy Spirit as we look to live as your people today. Amen.